1: hello and welcome to the Gallant few rangers podcast the podcast and all things rangers with the occasional nonsense thrown in as well i'm colin mcduff and today is the first in a string of episodes where we look at the key rangers managers over the last 25 years And between us, we try and agree on the best 11 for each managerial reign. Today, we're going to look at the best 11 for Alec spell Spelling Charge. Joining me to discuss are three of the finest podders in the Gallant View Network. First of all, Mr. Ian McCready. (laughs) All right, guys, how are we? Good, I'm good. Mr. Scott Hodge. Hi, Colin. How are we? I'm good, thank you. And last but not least, Craig McAdam. Craig, how are you doing? Not bad, hi guys. Yeah. So Craig, you brought this idea forward to the table about doing the best of living for each manager's uh, first week we're doing McLeish, was this many happy memories for you looking back in
2: this? Yeah, I think McLeish's spell was a bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it? It obviously started off brilliant and then there was a few dips along the way, back along to like helicopter Sunday and it ended quite badly for him, but because- was good European runs, good cup wins, so a definite roller coaster ride under McLeish. Um, overall, I think it's a success. Yeah. I, I was just looking at the
1: kind of spell in, in general, so he took over from Dick cat in December 2002, and he remained the manager until May 2006. As you said, he'd got, he won the treble, so overall, two league championships, two Scottish Cups and three League Cups, and he was also the first manager to take a Scottish team into the last 16 of the Champions League. Ian, do we do we underappreciate Mickley? Does he get the credit he deserves?
3: I don't think he does. I think he he, he might have been lucky winning some of the leagues he won, Helicopter Sunday, last day on goal difference, uh, but that was against a good Celtic team who are making it to European finals. So, when you consider the, the Celtic team we were up against, I think he it, it
1: does, it doesn't does get the, 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 the praise that's due. And I think a lot of the, there'll be a few players in here we talk about who he inherited from the advocat era, but he also had to rebuild his team a couple of times, and... I think we overlook that aspect of it as well. That he did, even after the table season, he lost uh, a lot of key international superstars, and he had to he had to replace him in a very small budget. So I think we really under underestimate the job he had at hand. Scott, we've got to talk about a lot of absolute terrific players, but. Just on these rebuilding jobs, there was a few stinkers in there. Definitely, Aye. Um who, who can forget some of them?
0: To be mm-hmm. fair, Ego Egil and Vanoli, and plus goes on, doesn't it? Berg, another you know, famous one. Emerson. So uh, a few. I think he had. He did have a few few good signings. Again, didn't have probably have the budget as as advocate. Uh, Walter Smith. But um, I think he brought in some, some good signings who, who who definitely
1: done us a term. Yeah, and they'll be the signings and players that we speak about today. So the format of this, we're each going to take an, an area of the, the team each. I'll start with goalkeeper and then we'll move on to Craig to discuss the defence. Straw will take the midfield and Ian will finish us off with our attackers. And we've agreed between us we're going for the 4 3 formation quite suitable since that's what the current rangers team tend to go with. So I'll kick us off with the goalkeepers. This should not this should not be much of a discussion as far as I'm concerned. In the cliche era, Alan McGregor he didn't feature too much. He was in and out on loan. He made the old odd cameo cup appearance. Ronald Vateris did come in and he was a solid addition to the team for quite a while. Uh, but for me, he was always second fiddle to the main man when he was fully fit. That main man being my my favourite Ever Rangers goalkeeper. Their goalie himself, Stefan Cross. So he was a, a player inherited from the advocate era and until he, his injury problems he was always at undisputed number one at Rangers. Uh start off his kicking was a bit suspect the odd occasion. More prominently where towards the end of his career it went a bit downhill. But other than that, I can't really pick a fault in Klaus as a goalkeeper. For somebody who was only five foot eleven, relatively small for a goalkeeper, he he commanded the box so well, even at cross balls, He... He was such a presence and he shot stopping, in his reactions. He, he was excellent, he was so agile and an absolute world-class goalie as far as I'm concerned. 298 appearances for Rangers, 10 major honours in his time. And he even managed an assist at Tarradice, uh New Year's Day 2005, don't know if you'd remember that. Uh, last minute he went up for a corner, got a. Uh, got the header on it and the moochie is slotted at home. That was a vital point that helped us going to win the league that year. And just nothing nothing but fond memories of Stefan Kloss, an absolute hero of mine uh, when I first started going to Ibrox. So I remember uh, when I first started going, I sat in the brim one and traditionally the Rangers will always... The keeper of always walls being the one for the first half, and I remember Cross always coming to the goals and doing his wee hand clap, and wave our side as a wee guy. I, I just adored Stefan Cross. So, who's, who's got to tell me I'm wrong? The silence is deafening.
2: Definitely... The other one that's worth a mention is so McGregor. He said that he wasn't really ever proper contender under McLeish it was only after he went and McGregor became the, the keeper wouldn't know. but Ronald Batteris is at least worth a wee discussion um, he mentioned probably the only real weakness that Kloss have, had was the ball at his feet whereas Batteris could play centre mid probably was that good with the ball at his feet he <laughs> used to his left and his right feet to wherever he wanted um, so he was a good footballer and I remember when Kloss got injured thinking that's the end of this team we need him panicking about who's going to come in because I think it was around about mid-season Kloss got injured and we we're still going for the title and it looked as if that was our season over and then obviously the manager got uh, Waterhouse in and he was terrific um, but I I couldn't argue the point he was better than Kloss and I'd, I'd say we, we need to go with the Kloss the McLeish.
1: It's, it's definitely worth giving him a shout and that, that's why I mentioned him there. There's, there's a lot of Rangers goalies through the years. Rangers have always had great goalies and even to a, a lesser extent, look at Wes Vaudenheim right now. He's too good to be sitting on the bench for someone, but he's not better than McGregor and there'll, there'll be a lot of goalies if we look back over the last 20, 30 years who were good goalies, but we've always had the finest keepers so in Britain at times. Uh, this, he was he was a... I saw you, but if he was the number one for three, four years, you wouldn't complain. But cost just is them.
0: You're absolutely spoiled for a a backup, and it's Wateryus, isn't it? And it's it's that case. It's how many how many clubs in the world have two sort of first choice keepers that for an extended period of time? Only one I can really think of just now is like Juventus, how they've got that Schne Shez, uh, I can't say his name, but Schnezhny and. Uh, fun as well, like two, two proper world-class keepers in the same team, it's just so difficult to keep them both happy and at the end of the day, they're not, one's going to be disappointed not playing, so we were really spoiled bringing in Watereus and I think he he kept Kloss out of the team when Kloss was back fit, wasn't he, for a, for a period of time? Yeah,
1: so for a couple of months, he, he, I think my went with the Waterias I'm going with Barteris, not um but maybe that's a discussion <laughs> for another podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not sure if that's uh, how, how they pronounce it in Holland, no, right. but uh, we'll go with the UK pronunciation. But Barteris, <laughs> uh, you know, I think McLeod kept him in the team because they, towards the end of the previous season, he, he went with the kind of thinking he had, hadn't had done anything wrong. and. He deserved to keep his place in the team, but eventually Cross came back in and went fit. Cross was always the number one. Even Le when seen that when he came in after McLeish. Cross would have been the number one and Lattizi would have been there to try and challenge him, but Cross's injury meant it was Lattizi and McGregor coming into the fold. So we all agreed Stefan Cross, he's getting the number one Jersey. Yep. 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 Exactly. So. Craig, we'll move on to yourself, so talk us through your back four and why, why you picked them.
2: Yep, uh, so start from right back, look at a few contenders and work your way across it. Uh, so, a few contenders for right back, first one I'd say is Alan Hutton, uh, but similar to what we said there about McGregor, it wasn't really the McLeish that they get the best of Hutton, it was more McLeish gave him this chance, he came in, to his, the team is doing well, that's when he broke his leg and he was out for a wee while and then he came back in under McLeish. So he's worth a mention, but I don't think he's a real contender for the first choice at right back. Um, another contender that probably doesn't really get the credit that he deserves, especially when you think back to that time, was Morris Ross. Um, he's not somebody we'd think of as a terrific Rangers player or anything like that, but McLeish picked him a lot. Um, Rixon would play in midfield quite often and Ross would always come in and do a, do a decent job. He was never anyone's favourite or that sort of thing, but if you think back to like when we won the double and the treble under Mifleish, Ross would always get a, a fair chance, and he'd play in big games, cup finals, um, scored in a cup final as well. So he's a contender, um, but for me, I would go for Fernando Ritson. As I said, he's maybe a contender for midfield as well, but I would go with him at, at right back. And... Um, it was just brilliant, wasn't it? It was quite different to if you think of the way Hutton Tav play at right back, maybe to the ball at their feet driving forward. Whereas Hutton would do a lot of his work off the ball when he was playing at full back. Um, he'd play the ball into midfield or up front and then he would do the, the overlap and run without the ball, which was we'd done that on the left side as well from the push quite a lot. It'd be more um sort of third man running type stuff with the fullback bombing down the wing without the ball um, into the space. So Aye, I'll go with Rickson at right-back. What would, what would you say between those contenders?
1: So, can I just ask a personal question? Do you, sorry, I don't know why I said that, a personal <laughs> question. I quite, uh, <laughs> I'll reword that. A question to try and help me with my thoughts on Rickson. Was he a better right back or a better midfielder, Craig?
2: The difficult one. I would say if you look at his overall career, you'd pr- probably say right-back, but then if you look at his spell... When he was captain side helicopter Sunday season, I would say maybe done his best work. His best spell would have been in midfield, um, but overall, I would I would think of him as a, a right back before a midfielder. Ian, when I asked everybody to send their
1: team over, you put Rex and straight away. Is he is he a no brainer or is an argument? Is a solid argument for any of the other names that Craig have mentioned? No, I,
3: I didn't have a, a good argument for putting MD ahead of Fernando Rickson. My, my only thing was with Rickson, again, was, like Craig said, was maybe having him in midfield. He obviously wasn't played the year the year he played in midfield. So that was my main thing. You know, Morris Ross, like Craig said, did have, play a lot of games, and Alan Hutton was basically just breaking through. So they were your two main contenders. I've also got Kevin Muscat written down, but <laughs> you know
2: he never done anything, so he was basically discarded right away. So, <laughs> My mention, could you're the old battery if you don't.
1: Craig, take us to left
2: back next then, please. Yep, so left back again, another couple of contenders. One guy who had a brilliant one season with physical man in and loan was Gregory and um, Still at the club now, he's the women's coach. I thought he had a really good season when he came in and would have liked to see him stay a bit longer. He had a really good spell. He scored goals at Parkhead. I remember him stepping up. He scored the winning goal in the penalty shootout against Maritimo that season as well. I'm thinking of him scoring a few other goals. He got a double at Fur Park, maybe. Um, So he had a really good impact. The other one would be Michael Ball. He obviously had a a bit of a difficult situation. He had a bad injury. Um, Then he had the whole contract situation as well. So it was a bit difficult for him. But he's still, he's always a good player when he came in. Um always your sports set pieces and that kind of stuff. But my vote will go for Arthur Newman. He's just brilliant, wasn't he? I know Klish only really got a year and a half out of him before he retired, but in that year and a half, he won five trophies. And then again, if you think of everything that he achieved with before he came to Rangers and Holland and that sort of stuff, um, he's just a brilliant pullback, wasn't he? So my vote's going to be Newman for that one
1: that's probably that to the course Situation where it's not much, worth much of a discussion we have for Newman. Scott, we're, we're not including Frank de Boer, and that's because he didn't do too much under McLeish at Rangers um, in his six months there, but he was probably, like, career-wise, probably the best left-back to play in Scotland. Other than Frank de Boer, is there a better left-back to play in Scotland in the last 30 years than... Arthur Newman. Don't think so. No, no. Even look at
0: Celtic's team over that time. They've not had. They've not been blessed with a, an international like Arthur Newman. Uh, just that. How how he attracted that caliber. He, he was one of the best left backs in Britain. Never mind Scotland. He was just so reliable, good going forward, his crossing. He just he had everything you want in a, a full-back. and. You wonder how much a player like Arthur Newman would be worth nowadays. He would be a lot of money to take him away from from the club. So, nah there's absolutely no question about that one. Just a, a tremendous servant as well for the club. And who can forget the the picture with the bottle of Buckfast fast Love that picture <laughs> as well. So, uh,
1: definitely a funny yeah. Ian Newman is a, a funny one. Where he's probably everybody's first choice at left back if we pick a an Rangers team for the last 20 years, but when you think about Advocat and the McLeish era, he's not the first player you think about. You know, we, we, no, he was playing in a team full of superstars, but was he just quietly consistent, or did he go about his his role in a different, quiet way? Why what is that with Newman, do you think?
3: I think when you look at McLeish's teams, they were all very attacking. <laughs> Um, so maybe just the attacking players got a lot more attention because they were all scoring lots of goals and stuff like that Like just going through some of the seasons like a lot of the strikers were in double figures um, under McLeish and that's like not just one or two you're talking three or four guys that are, that are in double figures and then you've got guys like Barry Ferguson, Ronald DeBoer chipping in with goals to midfield so I think the defence was kind of Went a bit under the radar under McLoosh because it was it was more about we're going to score more than you. So I think he, he, he kind of just went about his job quite quietly and it, he was getting towards the end of his career, but it was still best left back in Scotland by a mile. Do
0: Do you think? Um, do you know how you said like he wasn't appreciated? Do you think it's more the position rather than the player? So like, I think it. Like, feel, it's not obviously the most crucial part of a team Your full backs so obviously depending on the system but I'd say more it's about the position rather than Arthur Newman if you know what I mean if he was you know if he had the ability at centre half he could get more credit but I think it's just in terms of left backs you're not the most important you know you could, you could play just a, a regular game and you know go
1: unnoticed or he played well but you're not having a big impact in the game yeah. Well, I think we're talking almost 17 years ago and there, there was a famous quote from I think it was uh, Jamie Carragher about talking about the fullback that in the early two thousands nobody wanted to be a fullback. A fullback was either a failed centre half or a failed winger. But the game's completely changed now. So someone like Arthur Newman or even Rickson in fullback, you know, that's it's a completely di- we view them in a completely different manner. Uh, the game's changed and we do be lying fullbacks now. So you're right. It may have just been how left and right back were viewed at the time. Nobody wants to grow up to be a Gary Neville, I think the quote was, isn't it? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. So Craig, you've got two for two so far, clear cut shouts, Rickson and Newman. So talk
2: us through your centre-halves. Yep, so again, a few contenders. Um, one who we probably can't put him in this team, but it's worth mentioning with the Boomsom. Um, he was only there for six months terms of business it was brilliant wasn't it Getting him in a, a bosman and then selling him for eight million six million eh, six months later so and he was just a brilliant footballer when he was here and um, maybe it shows the standard of uh, the spl potentially because he went to newcastle and it never really worked out there for him. them but he still went on and it went to juventus as well didn't he so he's obviously a brilliant player and um, so he's worth a mention but i don't think i would put him in the team um, other two centre backs worth a mention, I would say, is Marvin Andrews and Kyriakos. So They were in the team when we had the good European run. Obviously, a bad league season that that year. Um, and part of the, that was the back two when we helicopter Sunday season. Uh, so I think when Marvin Andrews came in, everyone was a bit unsure about him why we signing him, but he was somebody that could head the ball further than most people could kick it. Um, he was. Just a solid centre-back. And then you think of his assist into Purcell against Celtic. Um, Celtic obviously gave him the space that day, thinking, oh, it's only Marvin Andrews. And then he pings the ball into the box and Purcell gets the goal. Um, Sorry, just on that goal, Craig,
1: I love that
2: goal because
1: the commentary. I, I don't know if it's Archie McPherson or something. or oh, is it that? Is it that weird English guy, Ian? <laughs> Who's Derby Day in Glasgow? Oh,
0: t- 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 okay.
1: Uh, Ian Crocker, yeah, so when Andrews has the ball, he, uh, Ian Crocker says, Marvin Andrews on the ball, probably the last person Rangers want on the ball at this point, and bang, <laughs> long ball to partial, gets in the volley, get it up you Ian Crocker, sorry Craig, as you were.
2: Uh, so that probably sums up Andrews, but he was, I think he proved everyone wrong and he's still a, a cult hero nowadays. Kyrie uh, he as well he obviously came in and done a really good job so that was after Boomsong left so there was a big gap to fill and Big sortie slotted in there and bizarrely ended up at Liverpool one day didn't he uh, I remember McLeish talking about when on Helicopter Sunday and the way the game worked out Rangers were happy because we were going to win the league and Hibs were happy because I think it meant they qualified for Europe so Hibbs just sat in their own half and Andrews and Kiriakos passed the ball between them and McLeish the was shiting himself with the two of them with the ball at their feet. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh, the two I'll go for is Amaruso and Craig Moore. Arguably the best centre half pairing I've seen. Um probably Weir's partnerships with Vigera and Quellard up there as well, but Amaruso and Moore are just both fantastic, weren't they? Both former cap- captains of the club and if you think at that time they were playing against Hartson, Sutton, Larson and more than competing with them, uh, winning leagues against them, winning cups against them. So they were both just brilliant center half, weren't they, so that would be my, my options for center back. So question
1: Craig, are you putting those two based on how successful they were as a parent or are you basing it on individual ability?
2: do it either way Um, as a partnership they were brilliant but you could either you could take one of them out and slot somebody else in there and they'd they'd both stand on their own. Um, Both just excellent centre backs and achieved a lot of the club.
1: So when I asked Scott and Ian to send their teams over they both agreed in Craig Moore being in at centre half but they do have different partners. Ian why would you take Marvin Andrews over Lorenzo Amoruso? It was it was more based on what
3: he done during McLeish's time. It was uh Amoruso was probably better prior to McLeish. But when Andrews came in we were solid like like Craig says, won like every single header ever. Nobody could beat Andrews in the air and he played half a season with a torn knee. Like how many players can do that? Like so a guy that that plays on one leg and is still that good. Uh, for us anyway, I thought he had to go in, I thought he was, he he gave us more form to leash than than Amoruso did for me.
1: I do love that story about how he was, how he was going to get knee surgery and said no, God will heal me. That's about 15 years ago and to my knowledge you still know had that surgery. (laughs) Amoruso doesn't have the pivots so that's kind of 1-0 Ian with that point. (laughs) Craig, is, is there an argument that Andrews was a bigger player under McLeish era than Amarusso?
2: I think the only argument would be he was there longer, I would say. Was it? McLeish would have had two seasons with Andrews and he only had a year and a half with Amarusso. But Amaruso still won a double then a treble under McLeish, uh, so I would, I would stick with Amaruso. But Andrews, he it was, it was actually a contender. Um, the, the signings that we got wrong the other week, I was thinking, uh, I talked about Papach but Andrews was somebody that I was thinking about as well, just a player that came in, got him for nothing, everyone's kind of thinking, oh, he'll fill a place in the bench, he'll be an OK squad player, and it's proved everyone wrong. Uh, so I, I would still stick with Amoruso. What are you two going to say?
1: Scott, you've, you've put Boomsong into the mix as your centre-half partner with Craig Moore. Why does he beat Andrews and Amarusso?
0: I think he was our best defender uh, over over his spell I know Craig obviously raised the point, he was only six months but it was, it was sensational for us and again the business that we've we done for him, three transfer and then sell him for eight million which is obviously big big fee back then as well who knows what it would be nowadays for it but I just, I mean if you're, if you're talking our best 11 over the like over his spell, I think he's got to be in there as the. I'd say probably number one centre half, and I put him with obviously Craig Moore as well. I think they'd have been a, a brilliant partnership as well. We had he had everything for a centre half, I know it didn't work from it at Newcastle, but, as you say, he on to, went on to Juventus, and I don't think you can really be a, a bad centre half and play for play for Juventus. So. Uh, that's why I, that's why I put him in, but I, can, I appreciate the the arguments that he was only there for six months. Samuel Rousseau was there for how, how many other seasons in Rangers, and obviously Marvin Andrews had a, a longer spell for that. But I think how can you put them in? How can you put Marvin Andrews and over Boomsong? I think he would be your, your number one for me.
2: So, Colin, unless you're going to drop in Bob Malcolm, I'm.
1: Thinking you're going to get the, the deciding vote on this one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kind of tingling with power right now. I love situations like this. Power goes to my head. So, you know, I think with, with Bimson for that six months, he, he just looked out of place. How good he was, head and shoulders above everybody else that we had. Um, I, I can see that argument. Andrews, I think. The argument for Andrews for me would more be my heart over my head. He was a uh, never-say-die never kind of defender. Um, he just put his heart and soul into every tackle, every time he headed the ball, every time he passed the ball. And you need players like that in the team, but I cannot see past Amoruso. I will point out the obvious flaw on Amoruso. Sometimes he would get bored and go a wander. You know, he's just, he'd think, I don't fancy being and a centre half for the next 15 minutes. I'm going to go and dribble the ball, potentially lose it. Um, that's why it was so good we had somebody like Craig Brewer, uh, the early up behind him. But when he was in the right frame of mind, I don't think, even even with Weir, Queller, Beguera, I don't think there's been a, a better centre a half this side of the century than Lorenzo Amoruso in Scotland. For me, I think he... He was the ultimate defender. But granted he had to be on his day and he had to be switched on. Um but even if even when he was he switched on, the entertainment value the the thrill of shiting yourself as he got over the spot here. But more of, like he got a couple of goals with the fancy dribbles, so Craig, I'm putting in Amaru, so well done. So that's everyone that's picked so far, Colin, has been a captain at one point, haven't they?
2: Newman was vice captain, but he did have a spell. I think he was a captain when he won the Scottish cup against Aberdeen, wasn't he? So I know he was only vice captain. He was never officially club captain, but he did have a, a spell as captain. Oh, aye,
1: right. fair, fair play. So that's it. If you include Stefan Cross as well, we've got you know five potential captains. there. that's maybe a, a point for a question for once we agree in the eleven, who's your captain going to be this time, this team? So, Scott. Take us into the middle of the park and your midfield three.
0: Aye, so I'll, I'll start with the with the obvious. So Barry Ferguson. So it's an absolute no-brainer. I think he's, he's probably the best best captain in, in my lifetime anyway for for Rangers. I don't think it was particularly his best spell at the club. You look back, and he was uh, player of the season under. Under advocate, wasn't he one of the one of the top goal scorers as well? But what a player! I don't think you can not have him in your in your team. I think just the influence he had when he when he came into the dressing room was was absolutely brilliant. Had had some great moments as well um, at that spell. So I'm not going to spend much time in that, and I don't think
1: I'll have many arguments in this one as well. Just before you move on from Ferguson. Although you put him on your team, I think you're selling them up short a wee bit there. The 2002-2003 Barry Ferguson, the year we won the table, we got 19 goals from midfield. I find, that is a, I find that's the ultimate uh, midfield performance we've seen uh, over the season. So I, I think, uh, I know you put him on the team, but I, I can't assess enough. We've not had a midfield performance like that since over the season. Uh, I totally agree with you with Barry uh, No complaints for them.
2: We'll all be happy with Ferguson and yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, So my my next choice was uh, Mikel Arteta. So I think he was just a, a fantastic, fantastic player for us. Signed him for for six million directly from from Barcelona and. A, I don't think we'll see that for for some for some time anyway. Us signing players from from Barcelona, uh, but in terms of like I think, especially foreigners sort of coming to the, the the SPL and like silky players such as like Spanish and Brazilians, they find it extremely difficult to, to settle sell and show their 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 potential in Scotland. But I think he done a, a fantastic job. He, he scored a scored a lot of goals and it was some. Some impressive performances. Uh, he, I think he said in interviews as well that his time in Scotland actually helped, like you know, the physical aspect of the game, especially when he went on to the to the Premier League. Scored some big big goals for us as well. So who can forget the the penalty uh, against the one is the league against the Firmland. scoring uh, the the old Firm game as well. I think well. Rab Douglas didn't do himself much justice that game, but he scored them <laughs> that. And remember him scoring against Aberdeen away as well. So he scored some big goals for us. I think it just, obviously, you look, I think he played about 300 games for Arsenal and Everton in the Premier League as well. It just shows you the, the calibre of player we had. We signed him when he was 20. And I'm just, honestly, I can't get it out. Of, like, I can't think how... We didn't make money on him, we actually made a loss on him when he was he was such an impressive player. I think we had him when he was more of an attacking midfielder and you know, providing a spark in the midfield and then he moved back, which a lot of midfielders do in their time and just sort of hold, which I think he was more known for in England. But just a, just a, a great player. I think we're extremely lucky to, to have him and uh, he would definitely be in my, my uh, centre midfield in terms of that.
1: Again, uh, no complaints with Mikel Arteta. Uh, either you boys?
2: Probably both. Uh, I had him in my team as well. my only issue with Arteta was, do you remember when he left, he said he wanted to leave because he was homesick and he went back to Spain for six months and then signed for Everton. So that was clearly bullshit, wasn't it? Couldn't have been that homesick.
0: <laughs> I know, I, was, I couldn't understand that at all either, so you don't you move on to a higher level or something like that, but you know, he was he was to be fair, he was playing the Champions League and th- I think he moved to Real Sociedad after it and I can't imagine them being Champions League at that spell either, so that was a
3: weird one, wasn't it? Well, I did
0: have uh...
3: a wee up between him and uh, Rexon, Like over the midfield, but it was just a case of Rixon went in at right back. So Arteta went in midfield. So like had I had a better right back. I might have picked Rickson over Arteta in midfield.
1: Yeah. That's just that sorry, sorry, you know, on you go, on you go. Just
3: you know, 'cause Rickson gave you that dig in midfield and like Ferguson will give you that in that team, but Ferguson and Rickson together, that's uh, it's a pretty
1: strong midfield. Yeah. That that was my that was why I was torn with Rickson at right back. Rickson absolutely is in this team, but out with Barry Ferguson's midfield, performance in the 02 03 season. The next level below that was Fernando Rickson, 04, 05. Rangers don't come anywhere near winning the league without Rixon in the middle of the park and Rickson as a captain. He was so important and that's that was Rickson at his finest. But you know it's I suppose that's the best of both worlds, having Rickson and Arte on your team, I guess. Just yeah. so, what who who finishes off your midfield tree? Yeah, so I've went for Ronald de Boer. So again,
0: I don't think there'll be there'll be much arguments in this one as well. I think he's he's one of the most gifted players I've actually I've actually had in the past, you know, thirty years as well. It's just unbelievable technique and skill. Quite a very versatile player as well. Could play a number of positions. So you could play him. Play them right wing. Play them just behind the striker. Uh, probably play him centre midfield field as well up front. Could do it all really. Again, I don't. I, there seems to be a theme. We signed him from Barcelona as well, so <laughs> we must have went through a, a nice wee, wee relationship. We feed our club from them as well, but uh, you know it's to think back when we're signing players from Barcelona is just amazing. Um, so I, I had a look, and apparently we signed him for about six million and. Barcelona only signed him the previous year for about 22 million so it just shows you like I know we've been quite we've done some poor business about that that spell probably but that's just unbelievable the fact they got four seasons out of him and he was only 6 million as well we had him at at 30 years old and I think I actually think we had him probably in his peak years as well I know he was very successful at Ajax before didn't quite work out for him eh, at Barcelona but when we had him, like, you know, you would always you would always you'd always find a position for him when you had Ronald About in your team you know, if you had a, a right winger playing well, you'd play him, you know, maybe up top or something. You just had to have him in your team. Just great flair. Just one of the, honestly one of the best players that I've personally seen at Ibrooks as well. He was just absolutely fantastic. And he was actually it was actually linked when he was leaving Barcelona with Man United and, and Arsenal it just what pulling power pull we had to bring him to the club, and as I say, he had to be in my team, so that's why he's made up my final spot in midfield.
3: I think De Bruyne might be the last genuinely world class player we we'll see in Scotland. Um, like I can't think of MD that has come close to his ability since then. I just can't see his bringing any of that quality into Scottish football. Like the standard he was when we brought him in. Okay, guys like Van Dyke have got In they've gone away and became world class. But when we brought him in, we brought him in like a big money signing from Barcelona, and as you say, he was like the man in Arsenal. So proper, the last world class player that came to Scotland.
1: As Scott said, like we got four or five about four or five seasons out of him, and he he kept that he kept that level for. The majority of you spell it Rangers. There you go, Craig.
2: I think I, I agree with I had exactly the same de Boer, Ferguson and Arteta. I think if you ask any Rangers fan that's born sort of late eighties, early nineties, to pick the sort top three or four or five players. We're all gonna have Darryl Ferguson and Ronald De Boer in it. just um, phenomenal. Uh, the only thing I would say is I did consider putting the Boer higher up the pitch in my team. Another two contenders I had were Alex Ray and Thomas Yeah, uh, I thought they were both brilliant under McLeish. Buffle just did that something a wee bit different, didn't he? A proper number 10 attacking creative player. And then Alex Ray was just solid and dependable. But, uh, so I did consider the Boer up front and one of those two coming in, but I agree with what Scott's picked.
1: I think uh, going back to you know the question I asked about Craig Moore and Lorenzo Amoruso. It's similar with Ferguson and De Boer. They both get in an individual merit. But back to that 0-2-0-3 season, they they linked up. They just clicked. That was the year they clicked and linked up so well. You know, Barry could do the box to box. He could he could defend, attack, tackle, pass, and DeBuer just complimented them. You know, De Boer had the natural ability to at that point he wasn't the quickest, but he was still able to dribble past people with ease. He was able to to see passes three minutes before anybody else should seen them, uh, his control of the ball was absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely complemented each other. So I think that's all four of us agreeing on Mikel Arteta, Ronald De Boer and Barry Ferguson. That was a, a no-brainer. So Ian, personally, I think you've got the hardest job of the day you're going to take us through your choice of your front three attackers.
3: All right. Uh, so under Alec McLeish, we had 17 different forwards play for us. And when I started looking at the list, I, I been nine of them right away. <laughs> but a couple of them were young players. So uh, Ross McCormack, Steve McLean... Uh, they're Frederico Neto, Moses Ashikodi, Cody, um, <laughs> guys who maybe played one or two games. Stephen Thompson and Billy Dodds were kind of guys who played quite a few games, but for me, they, they just weren't going to get in the team ahead of the others. So they get struck off right away as well. And Franny Jeffers. Who,
1: the fox in the box.
3: I, I nearly never put him on the list. <laughs> <laughs> But, so I was left with Kanija, Avaladze, Flo, Lovingcrans, Moles, Purso Novo, and Boyd uh, were the, the ones who I considered over McClushey's spell. So I did, did a wee bit of research and I'll forward it on it and you can maybe post it. Um, but don't quote these as exact numbers, they're all off Wikipedia. So uh, <laughs> And we all know how accurate that can be at
1: times. I how uh, in the same I... sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys fact it's on
2: Wikipedia
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I love how the same settings. I've done some research but it might be bullshit, I love that Ian, <laughs> well done <laughs> yep yeah. so I, but I I, I used uh,
3: kind of two criteria for my picking, it was basically how I felt they'd performed plus a bit of stats so um, the best stat goals wise under McLeish's Chris Boyd, he scored 21 goals in 20 games. Uh, uh, sorry, 20 goals in 21 games. But I just felt like it was too late in the McLeish era to, to be considered um, to be properly in the team. Uh, Flo was another player who didn't really play that many games under McLeish. He scored seven goals in 20 appearances, but he was he was shipped out quite early in McLeish's first full season. So, again, he never really, while his name got consideration, maybe he's never really in the running. So that left me with Avaladzi, Kanija, Lovenkrantz-Moles, Novo Purso. So the first player I'm going to go for was Shota Avaladzi. Shota Avaladzi had 118 appearances and scored 49 goals under McLeish. That's not including any advocate appearances, that's just under McLeish. Um, so, just under 1 and 2. We said previously that we, we felt that he, he left too soon. I uh, it was definitely a favourite for McLeish, and his uh, stats definitely back up why it was a favourite for McLeish. Um, just as forty-nine goals and one hundred and eighteen appearances, and it was the longest-serving striker under McLeish as well for three and a half full seasons. If that makes sense, three and a half full seasons, uh, three and a half seasons. Uh, he played.
1: I don't know what you think on Avalazzi on, on being in there. Maybe going back to the pod we done last week or two weeks ago when you know we, we sh- when I brought him to the table that we shouldn't have sold him. Avaladzi is one that we do forget about and we forget how often he played under McLeish and how big an impact he had. McLeish had this bad habit of Playing strikers left wing for some reason, and he done that with Abelazzi quite a lot. But that return, that one and two return that you've spoken about there, that's a, uh, that, that's a, cracking, it's a cracking start, um, especially in amongst all the other strikers that you spoke about. Where well, even though two or three season, I think there's something meant like nine different players got double digits in goals, and Abelazzi was one of them. Yes,
3: so all, all four of the strikers I have on my list. Uh, for that season, I have 12, 12, 16, 14 goals. Um,
1: so, yeah. So, who would you have alongside Avaladze then?
3: Alongside him, I also have gone for
1: Mr. Peter Lovenkranz. Uh,
3: he scored 34 goals in 111 appearances. Not the So that's just one in three, just about. But for me, the reason Lovenkranz got in there was when he scored his goals. Um, in McLeish's first season when he came in he made 18 appearances and scored 5 goals 4 of which were against Celtic and obviously the Lovinkranz final will be the the most prominent goal there Uh, he also scored uh, in Europe against uh, Villarreal didn't he and a few other goals against Celtic so Lovinkranz was a player turned up in the big games
1: for me so that's why I have put him in there so Craig, I know you've put Peter Lovencranz in your team as well. Was was that an obvious choice for you? Uh
2: well first off I'm disappointed you ruled out Moses As Asher- because he had an excellent ten seconds at Parkhead. Um, <laughs> he deserves more consideration. <laughs> uh I agree the attacks is sort of most difficult part of this and Lovencranz was the one that if he wasn't going to get in this team, I'd be putting a big argument forward for because, like you mentioned some of it there, you get, everyone always talks about his cup final winner against Celtic in the Scottish Cup for obvious reasons, but he actually got two cup final winners because he got the League Cup one as well. So, two cup final winners against Celtic. Uh, you mentioned some of the other ones, Villarreal, Inter Milan, Stuttgart, big champions league goals. So, love uh, Lovincrantz would definitely be in it.
1: Craig, was he another one that suffered or... Oh. The wrath of McLeese playing strikers left wing.
2: Aye, cause he, he was a centre forward, really, wasn't he? Um, but he was left, left sided and lightning quick, which means stick him out in the wing, doesn't it? Did
0: you Did you see him in the Legends game against Liverpool? He looked as though he could probably still do a job for us. To be fair, probably
3: killed his That's probably because he was the only player
1: capable of running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Ian, who would your third striker be? So, I had one other
3: striker that was was up for consideration, so I, I ended up getting it down to four. And the only other guy that I would consider was Nacho Novo. For me, he had a brilliant spell, and I'm going to put in his partner uh, under that brilliant spell, and it's Big Dado. Dado Preso, he was absolutely amazing. Just stick a bandage on the big man and let him go. He scored thirty three goals in eighty seven appearances, and somehow managed to play eighty seven games in two years, with those legs. Like his knees were gone when he arrived at us, but in one knee. See, <laughs> um,
1: so it must be something with like guys who kind of, whose knees are gone. That I like uh, it. Must have been so, Marvin Andrews. Marvin Andrews probably healed Purcell for a bit. <laughs> of it's no coincidence that Andrews was left the club when Purcell had to retire. So. <laughs> but for me he was he was the perfect striker. If he had a bit of pace,
3: he would never have been ours. I didn't know much about him, the only thing when we signed him, the only thing I knew about him was that like a couple of months earlier he'd scored four goals in a Champions League semi final. Um but until that I'd never heard of him. So he was he was a bit of an unknown coming in, but definitely when he came in he was absolutely outstanding.
1: Yeah. Well, I know you've got partial in your team as well um, again was has, have we had a better kind of target man? No, I was saying you before it Colin um,
0: brilliant, in the, brilliant in the air and it's something that we've probably not had such an aerial threat as in terms of a striker for, for for ages to be honest look back, somebody like Mark like that sort of Time for somebody who genuinely scored a lot, a lot of headers um, as well. And as you mentioned, if he had pace, he'd have been pff, what I have had absolutely everything as well. When the fact he got him in a Bosman, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he It was a free transfer, and he was linked to uh, AC Milan. So that shows you again the, the caliber of player he played in. Played in the Euros and World Cup for Croatia as well. Uh, was at the Champions League final before he joined us as well so it just shows you the career he's had and again, very lucky to, to have him scored big goals again Look will back it you know, a few against Celtic remember his pre-season overhead kick or something against Fulham it was absolutely brilliant as well so he had the technique as well so yeah, definitely,
1: definitely yeah, my, my team under the leash. So, I know uh, the favour of a grade in Perth impartial and Lovinkranz. But before I come to who Craig and Scott have suggested in the front three, Ian, can I ask you, were there, like likes of Neil McCann in your consideration to play either side of that front three?
3: So, just with the formation we picked, Neil McCann never got that consideration. I, I felt like when we did play the three up front, and when we have, it's, it's three more. It was three more, like, striker wide strikers rather than wingers. So guys like Neil McCann, Chris Buck, Andrew Kinchewski's you know, they I kind of they got ruled out just through the formation for me. You know, if you if you go with a four four two, I think Neil McCann probably does get in that team. On the left wing he was excellent for his like these his whole time. So I just wingers were kinda defaultly ruled out because of the formation.
1: Right, okay, that's fair enough. So, Craig, I'll come to you first. So, being his Avalazzi alongside Busson Loving but you've opted for Michael Moles. Why does Moles get in ahead of Avalazzi? Uh, be-
2: I was between a few for my final one. Um, Noble was a contender as well, Avalazzi was one of my contenders, and Moles. Um, when I was thinking about Novo and Purcell, um, overall I think you would pick Novo over Purcell for their the full Rangers careers, but if we're just looking at this McLeish era, I would definitely go for Purcell over Novo. And then it was, a, it was a toss-up really between Moles and Avalazzi. Both brilliant players. Moles, probably, I'm not sure if we get the best out of him under McLeish, but he still had a huge part to play. That was obviously after his knee injury, so he wasn't quite the same player, but he was still Phenomenal. So, I was a toss up between Moles and Avalanche, so I, I won't make a huge argument either way because I, I could have picked either
1: one. And, and Scott, Craig mentioned there uh, that he thinks over the course of the Rangers' career, Novo would always get a nod ahead of Pershall. For me, I totally disagree with you, Craig. I, I loved Pershall. I think he's, if we even look at uh, I dream my love in this idea of the century, Pershall's the first one. He's he's a first name in the sheet for me, but Scott, you've put Novo alongside Pasho. Why does he get in
0: ahead of Alazi? I think uh, the the partnership they formed as well had a big part on it, and if you look at the the sort of formation as well that we packed, I think it would go quite well. Novo played a lot of his time at right wing as well, so he would sort of be the right of the three with, with Loving Crants and on the left. It would sort of complement them as well, and I think. Uh, it was a real handful for defence Novo at that time as well. And I think it was more down to the partnership with, with Purcell um, as well. And it would just add a bit more pace as well into the team if you've got... I mean, if you had Purcell and Avaladze, they're not the quickest up front as well. So if you had Lovenkrantz, Novo, sort of either side of the wing slash attack, I think that would be a lot more dangerous as well. Especially if you've got players like Purcell and like De Boer in the team. I just thought a wee bit added pace would be better.
1: So, Ian, I know you, you were looking at the stats for each player, and I don't know the stats off the top of my head for Noble, but his first season, the, the season he farmed Purcell up front, he was, he was a top goal scorer. So is there an argument there that he gets in ahead of the uh, So that, that, that season he played 48
3: games and got 25 goals, and as you say, he was our top scorer. The only reason I could see was the balance and the pace. Like, would would give you, um, like Scott said, given that natural right-footed player on the right side of the attack and that, that bit more pace. But just for me, like Alavi just done, under McLeish just done so much more. Like scored uh, twice as many goals nearly. But Novo in total scored 80, uh, played eighty games, scored twenty eight goals under McLeish. So, he had a brilliant first season, but his second season he had 32 appearances and three goals. So, that's quite a drop off. So, whereas Arvalazzi was 9, 16, 15, 9, he'd go for, tw- go for 25 goals just score go on three. That's some massive drop off.
1: Yeah, there's a, probably, probably due to the fact he was played in the wing again, um, that McClish thing of playing Strikers in the wing, but. Again, if we are looking at a front three strikers. Well, have you just made an argument for him not being in there then? Playing wider. I'm playing <laughs> I'm playing devil's advocate, so <laughs> you know, Craig, you've kinda you've kinda denounced your uh, Moles suggestion. So between Ian's suggestion of Advilazi and Scott putting in that actual novel, from the arguments you've heard, who are you going with?
2: Advaladsi I'd go with.
1: Okay, so that leaves a front three of Partial Avalads in and cans Big smile for you in there because he's got three for three. So, mm-hmm. our, uh, so just to kind of recap our our first eleven. Our, sorry, I'll dream eleven. We're not doing seven elevenths. Stefan Kloss, Fernando Rickson, Lorenzo Amoruso, Craig Moore, Arthur Newman. Midfield 3 Ronald de Boer, Barry Ferguson, Mikel Arteta. Up front, Dado Parshall, Shota Avaladze, and Peter Lovingkrantz. Scroll start with you. Who's your captain for this team?
0: It's got to be Barry Ferguson for me.
1: Yeah. Ian, any arguments with that? Well,
2: nope, that would be the same, same choice for me. Yeah. Craig? Uh, I reckon it'll be Phil House and Ferguson. Yep. And- <laughs>
1: You know, there's a there's a lot of good captains in there, but Ferguson was just, he was a great captain. I um, have no argument with Barry Ferguson there. So, that's our first eleven, and Barry Ferguson is a captain.
3: Yeah, so I've, I've got one little thing that I've just noticed, then, when we were going through the team there, only two of those players were actually brought in by McLeish. Well, re- so, if you, look, if you look at everyone else who picked... Closh, Rickson, Moore, Andrew, um, Amoruso, Newman, uh, all advocate or previous. Uh, Ferguson, De Boer, uh, Ferguson, obviously, can through the youth. De Boer brought in by advocate. Arvaladzi uh, and Lovecrans also brought in by advocate. So it was only Arteta and puzzle that, that Alex McLeish actually had anything to do with.
1: But to be fair. I, sorry, Craig, on you go.
2: I think with that, I did, we had the better players under advocates. So that, I think that's would kind of naturally come, uh, but if you remember as well when Advocate left, those players were all off. offs and were rotten at the end and then McLeish came in and got such a boost out of them and the turnaround was unbelievable, so I think I the, the players are definitely better from the Advocate year but McLeish still done fantastic to get out of them what he did. Absolutely,
1: you can't argue with, uh, the team had fallen off a cliff towards the end of Advocate's reign, then McLeish came in and won five trophies in eighteen months with that team. That's you can't argue with that. That man management, um, and I think there's a couple of players that McLeish did get the best out of the likes of Kloss, Rixen, Ferguson. yeah. So it's you know it's it's a funny one. Like Avicabri on the mind, but McLeish done really well with him. So. And that will round us up for this week then. Uh, we've done our, our Dream 11 for Alex McLeish. In the coming weeks, we will continue with these episodes With these episodes on each manager's Dream 11. Uh, that'll be in between when we're back to talking about current affairs now that the, the Rangers first team are back in training in preparation for the 2020-21 season. So any news that comes from that or any updates, we'll be hopefully speaking about that in a positive manner so what's left to do is thank my co-host Mr Ian McCready. Thank you. Mr Scott Hodge. Cheers lads. And last but not least our very own Craig McAdam. Cheers. Thank you for everyone that's listened and take care. <laughs>